we feel like the Lord spoke about 2018 and that it is about the demonstration and release of the goodness of God through signs and wonders. We so were called to demonstrate God's goodness and signs and wonders and miracles. Last year was all about breakthrough for breakout. This year it's about wonder and releasing the goodness of God. In order to do that, we have to have the right mindset, not a religious mindset. The first and foremost, most important thing about a mindset is to understand our authority. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus rose from the dead before he ascended into heaven, he called his disciples together and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And so he released over his sons and daughters authority. Authority to do what? And Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Authority to bring the reality of heaven into every aspect of life. That's the commission that each one of us has been given. And so we have to understand authority in that realm. Now, authority looks way different in the kingdom than it does in the world. Authority in the world is about control. Authority in the kingdom is about empowering. Authority in the world is about stopping something from happening. Authority in the kingdom is about releasing things. And then finally, authority follows ownership. We don't sit in our house and wait until we get this overwhelming sense of authority. Then we go do something. Authority follows ownership. Last week, we uh, talked about what the kingdom of God looks like. Because again, Jesus said, come and release the kingdom. Bring heaven to earth. He also said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Romans 14. <laughs> oh, I get so excited, I get ahead of myself. Then I have to back up. Romans 14, 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. <coughs> if you want to understand the kingdom, it's very, very simple. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about righteousness. In my humble and accurate opinion, righteousness is the very foundation for the kingdom. It is the very foundation for the kingdom. We talked last week about righteousness. Very, very quick review because it was so good. I know, but it really was. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we can become the very righteousness of God. Who is he here? It's the Father made Jesus become sin. 
And so here's the reality. To the degree that Jesus became fully sin, his, his total identity, he became sin to that degree, we become the very righteousness of God. I mean, that's what the Word of God says. And then we talked about it. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't feel that. It just doesn't seem like that. And I use the illustration of an apple tree. If I have a little apple tree and it hasn't borne apples yet, is it still an apple tree? Yes. But it will eventually produce apples. And uh, how do we know what's an apple tree and what's not? Is because of the seed where it came from. If a seed came from an apple, it's going to produce apples, I started to say. Oranges, just to see if anybody was listening. Produce apples. Now, I love what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says. It says, and you were born again, not of a perishable, corruptible seed, but of imperishable seed incorruptible seed. The point is, we were born again from an incorruptible seed of God, the very righteousness of God. Is anybody... <laughs> this is huge. This is huge. We are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, let's talk about the next... Okay, I'm going to just share one other thing. Make sure you understand. God, because of that, no longer relates to us based upon our sin, but upon our righteousness. Let me try this. <laughs> God no longer relates to us on the basis of our sin but on the basis of our righteousness, because we have become righteous, just like God. Yeah, wait, it's, it's too late for y'all. It's too late. You had your chance. But you will get another chance. Now, let's turn to Romans. Oh, we're there. Romans 14, 17. So, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about peace today and try to understand what peace is. But I will tell you, we will never fully understand peace. If we do, we have an inferior peace. You say, how do you know that? It's because Philippians 4 talks about the peace of God that is beyond our comprehension. What I want to tell you is the peace of God is so amazing. It is so amazing that we will never fully understand it. It's better than we know. The peace of God. The peace of God is the actual activity of the kingdom. 
If the foundation of the kingdom is our righteousness, then the activity of the kingdom is the very peace of God. And then that follows up with joy. So what is peace? Peace in the world is the absence of, the absence of conflict. Peace in the kingdom, the word literally means to be complete, sound, or whole. So it, it has nothing to do with the absence of conflict. Now, that may be a byproduct from time to time, but peace in the Word of God, in the Bible, has to do with being complete, sound, and whole. My wife told me yesterday another excellent way to think about the peace of God. The peace of God simply means nothing missing and nothing broken. If you'll put that up there, this is so important that we understand. The peace of God, because it means completeness and wholeness, simply means nothing missing and nothing broken in our lives. You say, no, wait a minute. You haven't... Uh, there are some things that are missing and there are some things that are broken. The point of this the peace of God releases a grace to cover that. So everything God's called us to do is fully equipped by the very peace of God, the activity of God in our lives. And so no matter what area God's called us to, there's nothing missing and nothing broken that God's grace will not cover for us to do what he's called us to do. Now, uh, <laughs> I want you to turn to Isaiah 9. And I, here's the thing that's super important about the kingdom of God. As I mentioned before, we have to have the right mindset. It is imperative that we have the right mindset. I want us to read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. It says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or kingdom or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. How will that happen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. The zeal of God. So this is what it says. Of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. That simply means on the earth, his kingdom and his peace is always increasing. Now, let me, I want you to think about this for a second, because this is really important. If the kingdom and the peace of God is always increasing. What is happening to, the, uh, to darkness? Are you sure? Have you read the paper lately? No, here's the, this is the truth. If, and it says it is, the kingdom of God and his peace is ever increasing then the work of the enemy is ever decreasing. You had your chance. 
No, this is huge. Why? Because so often what we focus on, we see. It's like, yeah, but have you read the paper? Have you looked at... We will always see what we're looking for. My dad, about five years ago, bought me a book, and it's called Mega Shift. And it's a group of historians who spent years of, well, I don't know how many years, of study. Because they took this verse where it says of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. And they said, we just want to see if that's true. So they began interviewing missionaries all over the world, people, Christians all over the world, and they found something amazing. In the year 1950, there was approximately one Christian out of every 20 people on the face of the earth. In 2010, there was one Christian for approximately every seven people on the face of the earth. They showed how Christianity is growing by leaps and bounds almost everywhere on the face of the earth. There's a few exceptions. But for the most part, it is stunning to read of the accounts of the kingdom of God over in Iran. <coughs> Excuse me. Over, I mean, in Africa and South America. Asia. I mean, it is stunning. So it is true of the increase of his kingdom and peace. Thank you. There will be no end. So let's, let's take a look again <laughs> at his peace. Look at Psalms 85. Because this is really important. We're going to look at Psalms 85. And then we're going to look at another scripture. Psalms 85, verse 10. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. In the Bible, a couple of different places... Where it mentions righteousness, peace always follows righteousness. Because righteousness is the very foundation of the kingdom. Peace then releases, it, uh, it is the activity of the kingdom. Now look at Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32. Verse 17 and 18. For the work of righteousness will be peace. Pretty clear. And the service of righteousness, quietness uh, and confidence, and, and the service of righteousness is quietness and confidence forever. Then my people will live in a peaceful habitation and in a secure dwelling and understand an undis yeah, undisturbed resting place. The point is, the work of righteousness is peace. So good. Now, I want you to turn to Judges chapter 6, because this is the first time in the Bible where God is called Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. 
Judges chapter 6. Now, it's the story of Gideon. We all know about Gideon, how he was in the wine press doing wheat. There's so much to Gideon's life. But then an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, and what does he say? Oh, mighty man of valor. And Gideon starts looking around, and he's the only one there. And then... He has the audacity to start arguing with the angel. Now that's, that's stupid. I mean, I would be scared to death of an angel, but I'm sure not going to argue with him. But this is his argument. He said, you got the wrong guy. Because I am from the least of all the tribes and the least family in that tribe and the least person in that family. I am the least of all. And then the angel just won't buy it. He doesn't go, oh, you know, you are, I'm so sorry. You're right. We got the wrong guy. You know, he, he never God never listens to our arguments about our identity. He just doesn't because he sees it differently than we feel like we are. And so what happens is Gideon said, okay, if you're really God, show me a sign. Because he said, I'm going to use you to wipe out the Midianites. And Gideon's like you got to be kidding. Show me a sign. So he says, okay. And so Gideon says, wait right here. I'm going to go fix a meal. And so he goes and he fixes this meal, brings it out, sticks it on a rock. And the angel takes his staff. You know, don't argue with an angel, but especially one that carries a big stick. <laughs> I mean, really. He takes the big stick and goes, Bzzz! and the whole thing goes up in smoke. The fire of God consumes it. And then he's like, okay, I, I get it. And then he still is unsure. And so in verse 23 of, of uh, Judges 6, <laughs> And the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. He had a commission to destroy the Midianites. And he was like, you've got to be kidding this is not me. And then after all of that, the Lord says, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. This is so important. When God gives us an assignment... And if it's, if it's God, it's usually way bigger than we can imagine because it goes way beyond our natural abilities. When God gives us something like that, He will almost always follow it up with a revelation that He is Jehovah Shalom, God our peace. Now remember what peace is? Peace simply means... Um, nothing missing and nothing broken. So basically, he told, <laughs> told Gideon, 
There's nothing missing in you that I cannot overcome. And there's nothing broken in you that I cannot fix. But I've called you to this task to deliver the Midianites. And Gideon called that place, God my peace. You remember the, the first task that Gideon had after this encounter? God said, no, now go tear down the, uh, the statue, the altar of Baal. See, one of the things we have to realize, because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, peace is our primary weapon. Remember what, and we're going to look at it later, Romans 16, 20, it says, Now may the God of peace soon, or now will the God of peace soon crush Satan under your feet. See, the very peace of God is the, is the choice of battle for God. Because it's God that does it. He does it out of peace and out of rest. So important we understand that. And so, when we get a word of destiny, we need to go and have an encounter with the God of peace. Because in that encounter, he will let us know there's nothing missing and there's nothing broken that my grace cannot cover. Now, let's look at, in closing... Yes, I said in closing, but I don't know exactly when that is, but there will be one. Look at Philippians 4. <laughs> Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. I love this passage. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Paul says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's the point. God's peace is so amazing. It's so far beyond our comprehension if we think we figured it out, it's an inferior peace. God's peace is so powerful that it crushed Satan under his feet. It is so powerful. And so when it comes to God's peace, it's, it's like his goodness. We can never exaggerate his goodness. Neither can we ever exaggerate the peace of God. It's so amazing. And so, here's the thing. If we try to comprehend how amazing God's peace is, we'll probably fall into speculation. Because it, was, because it will always come up short. And so God's peace is incomprehensible. It is so amazing. And then it goes on. It says it will guard your hearts and your minds. If 
it's incomprehensible. How does it guard our mind? It guards our mind from speculation. It guards our, it guards our hearts so that we look to God and His grace that His peace will make a way. His peace will create an atmosphere that anything is possible. You know as well as I do, people that you admire, that you look up to in the kingdom, they're the most peaceful people you probably know. They just walk in such peace, in such confidence of God's goodness that everywhere they go, they're releasing the kingdom of God through peace. Uh, the women are doing a study on Wednesdays on shifting atmospheres. I don't know of a better way to shift an atmosphere but then to walk in carrying the very peace of God. It will shift and change anything. So, the, the peace of God is beyond our comprehension, but it guards our hearts and our minds. Now let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul finishes up both letters to the, uh, to, to the Thessalonicas. That's a big word. In verse 16, the very next to the last verse, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in a few circumstances. The Lord will be with you all. We have to get this. Now may the Lord of peace grant himself grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord will be with you all. What Paul is saying here is that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And it says, the God of peace will work out every circumstance to his glory. The God of peace, the God who's, who, who crushes Satan under his feet. Let's, let's go back to that real quick. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Verse 20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now this is really important because in the Old Testament, whenever a, a nation would go in and conquer another nation, many times they would bring the king of that conquering nation back and they would lay him alive before the conquering king and that conquering king would take his foot and literally stick it on the neck of the defeated king to demonstrate his victory. God has done that to your enemy, Satan. God has done that. It says here, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The word crush in the original Greek 
means to break in pieces and to shatter one's strength. To break in pieces and to shatter one's strength. It's good news. It's really good news. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, our very foundation. It is peace, the very activity of God to bring about wholeness and wellness. So when we are called into an arena of society, doesn't matter whether it's business, whether it's education, it matters not. We carry, we bring the very peace of God into that situation and God will bring about change. He does it through His peace. I'm going to ask that you stand, please. Paul said, Now may the Lord of peace Himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I'm going to ask our ministry teams to come forward. Here's what I want us to pray through. Paul said, May God grant you peace in every circumstance you find yourself in. I don't know what circumstance you find yourself in. But in that circumstance, it says the peace of God is designed to come in and bring healing, bring restoration, bring correction. You say, well, yeah, but you don't know my circumstance. It doesn't matter. It says in every circumstance, the peace of God will come. Because the peace of God is nothing missing and nothing broken. So here's what I want us to do this morning. If there is a circumstance in your life that just seems to be overwhelming, that seems to be too much, it says the God of peace will guard your hearts and your minds. He guards our hearts from creating an offense towards God. Why didn't God do this? Why didn't God do that? The peace of God that is so beyond our comprehension will guard our hearts from creating an offense towards Him. And the peace of God will will guard our minds from speculation. From speculating, why didn't God? Why God should, He shouldn't. 
I don't know where you are, but God wants to work his peace in every circumstance of your life. You say, I don't understand how that can happen. That's great, because it says his peace is incomprehensible. But bottom line, his peace is backed up by his character. The one who sacrificed his very life for us. So I want us to pray. Matter of fact, I want you to bow your heads. I didn't do this in the first service. If you are facing a circumstance that just seems overwhelming, I want you to raise your hand for just a moment. All over this place. All over this place. I declare the God of peace invade that circumstance. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. But Paul finished to the Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace invade every single circumstance of your life. Chip just said something really important. He just muttered under his breath, Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. The first thing you do is you begin to thank God that He is the God of peace. And because of that, He has enabled us with His grace that there's nothing missing and nothing broken that God will see us through. Holy Spirit, I lift up every single person who raised their hand with a circumstance that seems impossible. Well, Father, you are the God of impossibilities. So, Father, we just release over them grace to receive your peace. Grace to walk in your enabling power of peace that will soon crush Satan under their feet. Father, we declare a breakthrough in people's lives. Father, we declare a shift in the way that they begin to see those circumstances, that they begin to see those circumstances from your perspective. And that, Father, that your peace that goes beyond our comprehension would overwhelm their hearts and their minds. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.